Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's happening here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media. So be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. We're glad you are here. We're in a series where we are looking at and examining and talking about the values of our church and the values that we embrace. And we've been talking about that. These are values that hopefully you're embracing in your personal life as well. The values that will impact your family life. These will uh, values that will impact your business life. These are values that will impact your your church life. These are values that I think every Christ follower should embrace. First weekend, I told you the value of your faith, how important your faith is, that everything we do in our church, we want to anchor around God's word. Someone has said, if he said it, that settles it. And that's where I land. I believe that everything a church does should be preoccupied with God's word. Someone said this, we are anchored to the rock while being geared to the times. And I think that's true. So we talk about our faith. The next weekend out, in addition to faith, we talked about the importance of authenticity, being genuine. You want authenticity in your relationships. You want authenticity in your business partnerships. You want authenticity in your church fellowship. So being real, keeping it real, not being duplicitous, not being hypocritical, but being authentic. People relate to that, authenticity. They relate to the fact when they sense you are genuine and you are exactly as you, in other words, the people we see on Sunday ought to be the same people we see on Monday. So many times we sow to our flesh six days a week and then we go to church and pray for crop failure. (laughs) So I'm just saying there should be authenticity in our daily life. And then the third value last week, we talked about integrity, integrity. Integrity ought to be a hallmark of God's people. Certainly the hallmark of a church should be a church that is a church of integrity. Now what is integrity, remember? We said integrity comes from the same root word, it's a mathematical word, integer. What is an integer? You remember, it's a whole number. So the idea of integrity is wholesomeness, healthiness, uh, being a people who are authentic and based on God's word, but being a people who also, who have integrity. And then this weekend, we're gonna talk about the fourth value, and that is the value of excellence. The value of excellence. Now I told you what we have done as a staff as we tried to identify these essential values, and not only as a staff do we try to embrace them, but we also try to emulate them. I told you as a team, as a staff, as people who try to represent these values before so many people each and every week, we talk essentially about three ideas, three characteristics of our staff that really uh, encompass all of the values that I'm teaching. We talked about the importance of character. Now, if you're going to serve on a ministry team, and by the way, you'll want this in your business life as well, you should be a person of character. Now, character is something that you can attain, but not only is character something you attain, it's something you have to maintain. I know people who have attained character and have had their character corrupted. Have you seen anyone who walked the line at one point in their life and now they've fallen away and they're not even hardly a resemblance of what they used to be? 
So you can be a person of integrity and you can attain uh, 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 that level of character and then have that character corrupted. So you have to maintain that each and every day. It goes back to daily disciplines. You remember what he said in uh, Galatians 5? Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The guarantee to not messing up your life or corrupting your character is you walk in the spirit. If you do what you're supposed to do, you can't do what you're not supposed to do, right? We talked about this. People who are doing what they're not supposed to be doing are people who quit doing what they were supposed to be doing. Because if you'll do what you're supposed to do, you can't do what you shouldn't do. So don't do what you shouldn't do, and you'll uh, should, rather do what you should do, and you'll never do what you shouldn't do. So walk in the spirit, you not fulfill the lust of the flesh, your character then does not get corrupted. So we talk about character on our staff. Then we talk about competence, competence. And in it, you'll see the values as well. Competence means you know what you're doing. You know how to do your job. Um, you, you can't be in a place and hold a position if you really can't do the job. So you have to have competence. There has to be that level of competency that comes with your job. And then the third thing we talked about is chemistry. Chemistry, you have to play nice. You have to get along with people. You can't be someone where people saturate your presence with their absence. <laughs> so you have to have chemistry. You have to be able to get along with your coworkers and get along with your teammates. And these are values that we embrace as a church. And to be honest with you, through the years, and I've been doing ministry for now well, more than 45 years, and I can tell you every time that we've had an issue with a coworker and sit this it's true in your work as well. It's always been something involving their character, something involving their competence, or something involving their chemistry. And what you try to do, you try to fix it with a shot. And if that doesn't work, you fix it with a shot. <laughs> but either way, you gotta fix it. Because if you don't fix it, um, you can hold on to a bad employee long enough, you lose a good employee. Do you agree with that? So these are values that are important and significant and excellence is such an important value that we have to embrace. Now here, here's another reality, I gave this to you last week. It is possible for a person's talent or ability to take them to a level their character cannot keep them. It's possible for a person to attain a level uh, in their career they can attain a certain level because of their talent or their ability but their character just cannot keep them there and so they fall off. So you have to maintain good character. You have to make sure your character isn't being corrupted, you have to make sure your competency is sharp, and you have to maintain your chemistry because you're gonna need people in your world if you're gonna be effective or successful. So when it comes to excellence, then this ought to be a value we embrace, and really, the word excellence comes from the idea of excelling. It's, it, it's the idea, by definition, of going beyond the average. It, it contrast that with mediocrity, or mediocrity rather, being mediocre. Uh, mediocre, the word comes from the Latin uh, mediocris, which means partial way. Uh, get the visual in your head of going up, climbing a mountain, and you're trying to make it to the summit, and halfway up you quit. Mediocris. That means you went halfway partial achievement, not full achievement. So excellence means you go beyond what is expected. Excellence means you complete the task. Excellence means you meet the goal. Excellence means you excel beyond the average. And not everyone aspires to that value. Again, this is aspirational for most of us. It doesn't come natural. Natural is to coast and to quit when you're tired and to mail it in when you're uncomfortable. 
But the real value and the impact of a life is seen in the people who are willing to go the second mile. Remember the principle of the second mile where Jesus said, if someone compels you to take their pack one mile, you take it two. Now understand, under, in the first century, there was a law, a Roman law, that said if a, a soldier uh, asked you to carry their pack, you were required by law to carry their pack a mile. That was the legal requirement of a citizen is to carry the pack a mile. Jesus said, if you're gonna be a follower of mine, excellence, he didn't say this, but this is kind of what's implied, excellence is important, you need to go the second mile. You need to be go, go beyond what's expected of you Go beyond just what the average person will do. You ought to set the example by setting the bar higher than most people. Excellence is something you have when you want it more, you risk more, you work more, you pray more than the average person. When Cindy and I started the church, man, we, we went all in on this thing. Many of you have started businesses and you're entrepreneurs and you know what that's like. And for Cindy and me, we wanted to see God do something unique and very special in our life, unlike anything we had ever experienced before. So we didn't whine or complain about some of the personal things and challenges that we were going through financially just to get the church started. Because we wanted to see if God was going to sustain us in this work. And there were times, you know, you get things, you get things cut off and you, and you get things taken back. Uh, that's a sweet word of saying repossessed. But anyway, you, you have all that kind of stuff going on. And, and honestly, I'm not a martyr and I don't think God was a sovereign sadist, but here's the lesson God was teaching us in that experience. He was teaching us this lesson, how bad do you want this? How bad do you want this? I mean, I, I had other opportunities just like you do. I had places I could go. I had other opportunities in churches that I could pastor. I mean, I wasn't, again, I wasn't a martyr, but I believe so strongly that God wanted us to start this church that we were just dogged determined to, to hang in here and to see what God was going to do. I remember crawling out of bed on times and just, man, just getting on my face at early morning hours, two or three o'clock in the morning, just saying, God, I, I don't have anything left. I, I'm, I'm working as hard as I know to work. I don't have, we were all in financially. I mean, and honestly, it, was, it wasn't that I was angry at God, but I was just like, what am I missing? Have you ever had one of those moments where God, where, where you're almost looking at him going, what do you want from me? <laughs> now you don't say that, but you think that. And really what you're saying is, I have nothing left. I can't sacrifice more than I've done. But so God, and, here, and again, the takeaway for me and the takeaway for Cindy was God was kind of looking, saying, I need to know how bad you want this. I need to know that this is not some passing fancy, that you're gonna get this and move on to something else. This is not just a stepping stone, or this is not some career move. This is something you're all in on. And I think it moved the heart of God when he saw the genuineness and the sincerity of our commitment to the thing God had called us to do. It's to go beyond the average and do what is not expected. Excellence involves that. Listen to this. Effectiveness, effectiveness is getting the right job done. Effectiveness, getting the right job done. Efficiency is getting the job done right. But excellence is getting the right job done right. Do you see the difference? So a company can aspire to these values, but the highest value a company or a church or a, a family could aspire to is excellence. 
We aspire to that. That's the bar. That's what we want to achieve. Let me give you this verse. Colossians 3.23 is kind of the text for what I wanted to talk to you about this morning. Colossians 3.23, work willingly at whatever you do. Do this as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Have you ever thought of yourself as a minister? You may not be like me and in this as a profession, but you have a calling. Um, we, we, by the way, we get the word vocation. It's an interesting word. Uh, in the Greek, it's voca, which comes from uh, the idea of, of a calling. When you say, this is my vocation, you're literally saying, this is my calling. So you have a, a ministerial calling on your life. You have a divine design for your life. You have a vocation. And whatever vocation you find yourself in is your calling. And you have a minister ministry within that vocation. And so God is saying, understand this, do what you do as unto the Lord, not as unto people. And man, when you look at Jesus and the bar he set, everything he did was excellent. You remember what the apostles said about Jesus? They said, he does all things well. That's the bar. He does all things well. Pilate said, I don't find any fault in him. Think about him. He never said a word he shouldn't have spoken. He never had a thought he shouldn't have had. He never did a deed he should not have done. Excellence beyond the average. So I think as a church, the body of Christ and as individuals, the children of God, we have, a, we have a calling, a mandate, if you will, to set the bar in our life and in our families and in our business and certainly in our church to set it at the level of excellence. Now, give me, let me give you four quick principles that we ought to seek excellence in each and every day. Number one, it involves our competence, our competence. Let me give you this, learn to do better what you do best. Do better what you do best. Now in business, and we had this discussion on staff oftentimes, do I focus on the areas I'm weak in and I'm not good in and try to make those better? Or do I focus on the areas that I'm gifted in and I'm better in and try to make those even better? And I've tried to do both. I, I, I've been in you know, ministry long enough to kind of know what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. I macro-manage well, I don't always micro-manage well, so I have to have people around me who can see a lot of those details. It's important, devil is in the details. And so details are important, but I know I'm, that, that's not a, a great strength of mine. I'm kind of visionary, big picture, uh, tr try to capture uh, concepts and move in that direction, but if I get bogged down in the minutia, I, I get overwhelmed in, in you know, I, I, I paralysis by analysis, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I understand that there can be a tendency to say, well, if I'm gonna be effective in my role as a pastor leader, then I need to focus on the areas I'm not good at and try to get better. Um, and I've done that. I really have focused on that. I really put a lot of thought into it. I've gone to seminaries, I've read seminars rather. I've read books, I've listened to a lot of people. Uh, try to get better at remembering names, right? Some of you struggle with that, remembering names. I've always had that. I went, to the, <laughs> I went to the Bill Bright memory uh, course he did as a breakout at Liberty University. So I went to his breakout course, Bill Bright memory course, and I could not remember the formula that he gave us to be able to remember names. So I, I, that, I'm just confessing a sin this morning. You'll love this. I'm confessing a sin. I struggle with that. It's hard for me. I know a face. I know you, you know me, we know each other, and I, I know that, but I'm, sometimes I struggle 
with getting a name. I, I didn't even know the names of all my family for heaven's sake. So I, I know, so, so do I put a lot of time and try to get better at the things I'm not good at? Or do I conversely try to spend the time that I have to improve on the things that I know I'm good at? And I could argue it both ways. I can preach it both ways. What I found that works for me, and I'm just giving this to you as a, you know, as a thought, I try to focus and do better the things that I do best. You say, well, Bill, how do I know what I do best? It'll be affirmed to you by other people. I don't mean your mom trying to, you know, here's your participation trophy, you did that well. I mean, that's all great. But at some point, you know, that's not a, a, the only evaluation you wanna have on your life. I remember when I subbed for my dad one time, he had me speak for him, I was like 17. I was so nervous and I got up and I preached for my father. And so we stood at the back door and the people were leaving and they were saying nice things and Cindy and I are standing there. And uh, these little old ladies came into the church and, and they were coming out and they were hugging me and they were telling me nice things. And I saw my grandmother and granddad, they're kind of coming behind them. And so they were hearing, overhearing what some of these little old ladies were saying to me. They were saying, sweetheart, you did great. You're, I think you're the next Billy Ram. I'm saying, well, Billy Ramsey, Billy Gracky, it's not a stretch. So you know, you have your mind, you're kind of like, oh, thank you, oh man, you know. And so I'm going on, and my grandmother finally gets to my grandmother, and she pulls me down, and right in my ear, she says, I've heard what those old women are saying to you. Now get it, she's calling them old women, you know. I hear what those old women are saying to you. And here's what she said, don't you believe a word of it. <laughs> and then here's what she said. She patted me on the cheek, and she said, but you did a good job. You stay humble. And she walked out of the door. I was 17. I'm talking to you now. I'll be 65 this fall. I've never forgotten that. Well, what she did in one sentence is she affirmed something that I was good at while telling me, you better be humble. I heard about a young guy and he kind of strutted up into the pulpit to speak before this large church and he just bombed. And if you've ever done this ever before, if you've ever talked in front of people or if you've ever tried to bring a message, you're gonna bomb. <laughs> it's just like, mine are like Russian roulette. I just spin them and pray, you know. So I, you know, and, uh, but, but I mean, you've got, and so he felt horrible and there's nothing worse than when you feel like, I, yeah, that was awful, you know. And so he had kind of strutted into the pulpit and he was so broken and humbled when he walked out and a little old lady came up to him and she said, young man, had you walked up into the pulpit with the same attitude that you walked out of that pulpit, she said, you might've been able to walk up into the pulpit with, a, with the attitude, or walked out of the pulpit with the attitude that you walked into it, meaning humility was the key. So I always appreciate my grandmother for that. It was the idea of affirming me in something that I could do, but telling me humility is gonna be a part of the effectiveness of what you do. So are you affirmed in something? Has someone complimented or, or, or confirmed a calling on your life, something that somebody's pointed to you and say, you are good at that. You're good at working with people. Or they may have said, you don't have any business being around people. <laughs> you need to stay away from people. Well, that's okay, that's a gift. You gotta have some people that are behind the scenes people. People ain't their thing. I'm just saying that whatever you do, if you're striving for excellence, say this, I'm gonna do better the things I do best. Here's a second thought. Not only our competence, but involves our countenance. And that's the idea of do what you do with a good attitude. With a good attitude. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. 
Paul said, you are bought with a price, meaning Jesus went to the cross and shed his lifeblood so that we could have salvation. You're bought with a price, and then he puts this word in there, therefore. Remember, when you see the word therefore in the Bible, look and see what it's there for. It connects what he's just said with what he's about to say. He says, because you're a Christian, because you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God. Now, what does it mean to glorify God? It means to be a reflection of who he is. My life should reflect who Jesus is every day. Uh, Romans 8, 29, we are being conformed into the image of his son. He transforms us, according to uh, Romans 12, so that he can conform us into the image of his son, meaning that my responses, reactions, how I love you and how I love people should be a reflection of who Jesus is. You are bought with a price, therefore glorify your God in, here, here's how, two ways, in your body, which what you do outwardly, and in your spirit, which is what you do inwardly. Both belong to God. Now here's what happens in church world. In church world, sometimes we put so much emphasis on the outward that we give no attention to the attitude or the inward. Um, Christian people can become some of the most judgmental, bitter people in the world. I mean, I know you've been around them. Instead of getting sweeter and sweeter, they just get meaner and meaner. <laughs> and I get it, everybody's getting knocked around a little bit. We all, look, I could make as many excuses as anyone to not have a good attitude. I, I, can, I can get a little cheese and whine, a little whine and whine right along with it. I mean, we all have reasons not to have a good, a good attitude. But the Bible doesn't give us as Christ followers a caveat. He says, no, we are to glorify God in our body and in our spirit, both belong to God. So we should be as careful to check our spirit as we are to check our, our actions. Uh, James Dobson came out with a, a book about raising adolescents, and he was counseling parents. He said, you, you should discipline uh, an attitude as quickly as you discipline an action. You discipline an attitude as quickly as you discipline an action. And that's so true. Um, I remember I've told you the story of the little girl who was standing, and the mother told her, it's time to sit, you need to sit, and she wouldn't sit, and we've all been there. And finally, mom gets her and says, honey, sit down. And the little girl grits her teeth and looks at her mother and she said, I'm sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. <laughs> you have a child like that. Everybody's got at least one. And the point is, the point is, that's an attitude. That's a, you, you've heard this said, your, your attitude, not your aptitude, determines your altitude. Every pilot in the room will tell you the attitude of the plane will determine its altitude. If you don't have the right attitude, you're not gonna soar. Excel is to go beyond, and you're not gonna go beyond the average without the right attitude. So you have to, here's why you have to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because we've all gone through enough, as I said a moment ago, to, um, to try to um, uh, justify a bad attitude. I hear people invariably, they'll say, well, you know, I've been, you know. And here's what you have to do. You have to ask yourself, is this a season or a cycle? You see, a season means something you're going through, and that may affect your attitude. And, and, and so I wanna give you my loophole. Uh, Andy, our church lawyer's here, so you give me, let me give you our loophole. Here's our loophole. Our loophole is, you may be in a season right now that's affecting your attitude. You might be grieving. You might just be going through a divorce. You might have just been given a terrible diagnosis. You may, have just been, you may have just lost your job. 
you, you may be going through a life event that is affecting your spirit. And it's okay to feel what you're feeling when you're feeling it. It's okay, that's part of, sometimes your emotions are damaged, sometimes your emotions are just wrecked. We have people come to our church all the time that are broken. And you've heard me say before, the last thing I wanna do is take somebody who's broken in spirit and try to put them and, get, and engage them immediately into ministry. You've experienced a trauma. If you experience a physical trauma, remember, glorify God in your body and spirit. If you experience a physical trauma, there would not be an expectation of you to hop out of the ICU and go to work tomorrow morning. There would be an understanding it's gonna take you time to regain your physical health. And I'm trying to say to your broken heart this morning that it may take time for you to, to restore your broken spirit. This is a season. This is a time you're going through. Believe me, I, I, trust me, I know what this is like. You're going through something and you may not ever fully get through it. You may not fully, let me say it this way, get over it, you just learn how to get through it. You're always gonna have some brokenness in your heart and your life. It's, it's, it's a season. But here's what you have to be careful of. You have to be careful that seasons don't become cycles. Where you are using things as an excuse to treat others poorly. You're using what you've been through as an excuse uh, to be unkind, to be judgmental or vengeful or angry. And so I, I don't know your heart and you don't know mine. I'm just telling you, I struggle with the same thing. It's easy for us to, we can get cynical. That's a spirit. And the cynicism will eventually find uh, manifestation in how I treat people. Your spirit eventually does affect your body. In fact, in Hebrews um, 12, he says, be careful lest any root of bitterness spring up and defile you. So where there is the root of bitterness, the spirit, there will eventually be the fruit of bitterness, which is manifested in the life. So, so here's what I would tell you before I get off of this. If you're dealing with something, uh, get, get some help. I mean, we have no trouble if we're challenged with a physical uh, challenge to go to our physician and to say something's not right, and to seek medical help. We have no problem if we are uh, struggling with a legal matter to go to an attorney and say, can you give me counsel? We have no problem if a car breaks down going to a mechanic. But why is it somehow we struggle a little bit when we're struggling psychologically or with some of the emotions we're having to reach out to a counselor and, and to get some help to navigate through that? You see, our, our, our minds, can become as sick and corrupted as our bodies. Here's what most Christians have never really come to terms with. You can have a saved soul and a lost mind. You, you can have challenges in your thinking and in your mind. Sometimes it's rooted in mental illness. Then a person needs to know this is not a season, this is a cycle, I need to get help. Sometimes it may not be rooted in mental illness, particularly it might just be rooted in an unreconciled trauma that you've experienced in your life that you just need some help. So I don't know why I'm chasing this rabbit other than hopefully help somebody that's in this room or watching me online to know it's okay to admit I, I'm, I'm in a cycle here in my spirit that I'm not getting better and I need to finally get help over this. I've had to do that before. I've had to talk to people. I've gone through enough where I had to reach out and say, hey, check my thinking. <laughs> Zig Ziglar said, most of our problems come from stinking thinking. <laughs> so you gotta get the check up from the neck up. You heard that? 
And so I'm saying there's no shame in that. There's nothing wrong with that. The best thing you could do for you is get healthy. You're gonna bring more into your marriage and in your relationship. Look, here's what I know. Two half people, two unhealthy people does not make a healthy relationship. If you're tied to a spouse or a partner uh, that you're really looking at, maybe there's a future together and they're unhealthy, the best thing you could do for them is try to get them healthy. Because there's not enough of you to pour into them to make them get healthy. You don't have a big enough shovel to dump enough emotion into that person to get them healthy. Remember, uh, some of you, I'm gonna date myself here because I know y'all look at me and say, he's gotta be in his 40s. Um, remember Captain and Tennille? Captain and Tennille, okay. You, yeah. you remember um, uh, that song where he talks about muskrat love and all this kind of thing? And it, it's the idea that, you know, that two people can kind of come together and have the perfect world. Or, or, or uh, Let me give you a more contemporary, Jerry Maguire. Remember when, when the line that you complete me? Hey, that, that is the craziest thing ever. Two people can't complete each other. Here, here's how that looks. Two whole people make a whole relationship. You, you follow? When you can get healthy emotionally and you can be healthy spiritually, which is this is where our church comes in, you can get healthy physically. That's where your disciplines come in. You offer so much to your marriage. You offer so much to your business. You offer so much to your church when you present yourself as a healthy person. So watch your gauges. Watch your gauges. I hear people from time to time, oh, Bill, I'd rather burn out as rust out. Well, that sounds tough, but have you thought about it? Either way you go, sport, you're out. Out's out. You can burn out or rust out, but you're out. You're better off to find balance in your life. Find some balance that keeps your spirit replenished. Everybody is busy, I get it. But from time to time, you gotta hit the pause button. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said in the King James, come apart to yourself and rest a while. Vance Habner used to say, if you don't come apart and rest a while, you will come apart. Jesus sat by the well because he was tired. Jesus ate because he's hungry. He drank because he was thirsty. He set the example of the Sabbath. So guys, sometimes the best thing you could do for your spirit is to take some time away. That's why when you guys take a time off and I see some of you take a weekend and you get away and you're having all, I know how busy your life is. And when I see that, listen, in this season of my life with Cindy in heaven, I applaud that. I look back over my life and my life now has more memories that I look back on than memories that I make, certainly where Cindy's concerned. And I'm glad we took time. I'm glad we ate the cake. <laughs> and when I see you doing that, I'm saying, good, go you. <laughs> Take the time off, and I mean, if you can break and go somewhere and replenish yourself, go help yourself, cut you out a little of that and go do it. Now, don't do it all next weekend because I'm gonna need some of you back in here. It's gonna be, look like COVID. It's gonna be a little lonesome if you're not in here. But my point is, you, you get it, you get it. So it's the idea of replenish your spirit. I gotta hurry now, I about burnt my clock here. Number three, it involves your confidence. Your confidence. Do what you do as though it all depends on you. Do what you do as though it all depends on you. Listen to this. You can do everything God has called you to do. God will not call you to do anything he does not equip you, enable you, or empower you to do. Remember in Philippians 4.13, Paul said, I can do all things and I can do it through Christ who gives me strength. God has a plan for your life. And, and I've told you before, you're here till it's done. 
One of the things I've told you with Cindy, I understood of Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1. To everything there's a season. There's a time to every purpose under heaven. Remember I said life is seasonal? Sometimes it's cyclical, and you different, but seasonal. And then in that season, God will give time for purpose. In other words, as long as you have purpose, God will give you time. When your purpose ends, your time ends. And as long as you have life in your body and breath in your bones, he's not finished with you. So take that as a challenge to say, God, I, I know you have something for me to do today. I wanna do better the things that I do best, and I wanna do the things that I do as though everything depends on me. I wanna be the best parent I can be. I wanna be the most effective person. I wanna be a good friend. I wanna be a good employer, a good employee, a good manager. I wanna look at excellence as my standard and do what I do as though it all depends on me. Let me give the last thought now. And I'll hit this in two weeks when I talk about the value of perseverance. But let me touch it now. And that is our continuance, our continuance. Do what you do until God is through with you. Do what you do until God is through with you. Galatians 6, 9, don't be weary doing well, for in due season we reap if we don't faint. Again, continue, just man, just don't give in. Don't give up, don't give out. I said a moment ago, you may need to rest, rest. You may need to take a sabbatical, take the sabbatical. You may have to go into ICU for a little while and heal and get healthy. But the point of, if, ask anyone in the medical profession in this room and they'll tell you the goal of ICU is to get you out of ICU. <laughs> they get you up as quick as you can. I mean, I was amazed. I went to see a person uh, who had open heart surgery and I was stunned at how quick he was up and sitting in the chair. <laughs> it was amazing. I think if I'd had the open heart surgery, I'd been like, hey, don't touch me. Don't buy. This brother ain't moving for a while, right? And they said, no, there's too many other things that can go wrong. You get pneumonia, there's a lot of things that can happen. Atrophy, there's so many things that can go wrong as quickly as we can and as safely as we can. We gotta get him on his feet. So I'm just saying you may be hurt, but the goal of our church is to give you a safe place to heal, to try to pour into you every week through worship and through God's word. And when you're ready, we wanna cheer you back onto the field because you value, you matter to God. There's something you do that nobody on this planet can do like you do, so don't give up. God is in the business of building, the devil is in the business of blasting. Where God is trying to build up, he's trying to tear down, so we always be on, be on the side of building people up. My job on Sunday is not to put you under anything. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit has to put a person under before he can put them over. I had a guy tell me one time, I'd never looked up if I hadn't hit the bottom. Well, that's not the motive of the pastor. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. My job is to try to put you over. I want you to know you're more than a conqueror. I want you to know when you come to Jesus, Romans 8 said, there's no condemnation. He said, there's no guilt. Who shall charge anything to the elect? He said, there's no separation from God anymore. Height, depth, angels, powers, principalities. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I want you to walk out here going, by the grace of God, I can. I can do this with God's help. I don't want you walking out there going, you know, just beat the sin right out of me. You ever been to church like that? I kind of grew up with some of those. And what's bad about that is people get into that. Like a guy walks out and goes, thank you, pastor. I can't wait to come back next week. Just beat me again. I had a guy one time said, man, I just need a preacher just to beat the sin out of me. I said, I got a good friend of mine right across town, brother. If you go there, he will tie you to that pew and he will beat the ever-loving sin right out of you. 
I said, I'm just, man, my job, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's not my job is to discipline or, I don't know where the, you know, clean them up. I don't know where the dirt is. Here, here's my job. I'm a fisher of men. I catch them, he cleans them. That's, that's our arrangement. <laughs> it works. But the goal is just don't quit. Just don't quit. Just keep going. Well, that's all I'm going to say about that. Let's pray together. <laughs> Father, thank you for the privilege it is to be in your house. Thank you for these beautiful babies, these wonderful families that we've dedicated in both services. Thank you, Father, for your work in our life. Help us, Lord, to leave in just a moment understanding the standard we should aspire, aspire to is excellence, to go beyond what is merely expected. And give us, Lord, the, the grace and the courage and, and, and the discernment. Sometimes we don't really know how we're doing, so give us discernment to be honest about how we're doing. And so, Lord, I, I pray for that. And then finally, I pray for any friends in the room or anyone watching who may never have trusted you as their Savior, that this might be the moment where they swallow their pride and right where they are, they say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, forgive my sin. With everything I know about me, I now trust all that I know about you. And I pray this in Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.